Good morning, good afternoon, good night, good evening, whichever it is. Good noonday. This is a day that God has made, and I'm rejoicing and I am glad in it. It's Sunday school time here at the Greater Gospel Temple Church of Praise and Worship in Dallas, Texas, and throughout the world. We reach the whole wide world through the World Wide Web, and I am so thankful, so thankful, so thankful to God for everything that He's doing, He's done, and hey, past, present, and future, and I am so thankful. It's a wonderful day. This lesson is for Sunday, August the 23rd in this year, 2020. And the subject of our lesson is the signs, the word, and the spirit. And we're in the L.G. Parkhurst Jr. Sunday School Commentary, which is based on the International Sunday School Lesson. Our lesson comes from John, the 10th chapter, and it's the 33rd through the 42nd verses. No, the 32nd through the 42nd verses. John 10, 32 through 42. The signs, the word, and the spirit. And we'll go into our scripture reading from the King James Version, BibleGateway.com. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father, for which of these works do ye stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, Ye are gods? If he called them gods, unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him whom the Father hath sacrificed and sent into the world, thou blasphemeth, because I said, I am the Son of God? If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand and went away again beyond Jordan into the place where John at first baptized, and there he abode. And many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle, but all things that John spake of this man were true, and many believed on him there. Oh, there, there is always a witness God always has a witness to the truth, to the Word of God. 
because he is God and he will never ever be left without a witness because hey it's a fact he is God the almighty God the everlasting father he is God okay we'll go into our commentary the signs the word and the spirit the signs the word and the spirit you can reach me at 469-629-9543 and at ggtchurch66 at yahoo.com Jesus did not flee from his accusers. Instead, Jesus confronted them with the evidence that showed he was the Messiah and the Son of God. Before their eyes in Jerusalem, the religious leaders had questioned a man who had been ill for 38 years that Jesus healed. They also knew, had interrogated, and had cast out of the synagogue a man born blind that Jesus healed. When they persecuted Jesus earlier, in John 5 verse 36, Jesus told them, But I have a testimony greater than John's. The works that the Father has given me to complete the very works that I am doing testify on my behalf that the Father has sent me. They had reports from many witnesses who saw Jesus perform miraculous healings throughout Galilee and Judea. Everyone knew that Jesus had gone about doing good works and his good works could only have been done because the Father had empowered him and sent him as Jesus testified. Here's a notice, okay? Jesus did not say, I have shown you many great works to impress you. Many people can do great works to impress others. King Herod did great and evil works. Only Jesus always did and does only good works because he is the divine son of God. Hallelujah. Now the Jewish leaders acknowledged that Jesus had done good works. Jesus' good works could only be done by someone God had sent to them. And according to Old Testament prophecies, Jesus did the good works they expected the Messiah to do. For example, Jesus miraculously fed 5,000 people with a few fish and loaves of bread. And we can see that in John, the sixth chapter, the first through the 15th verses. Still, they would not believe in Jesus. Instead, they charged Jesus with blasphemy, saying that he was only a human being who was making himself God. Jesus did not deny their charge against him because Jesus always distinguished himself from the Father, and Jesus knew who he was, and he called himself the Son of God, which would make him divine. The religious leaders could not understand the complexities of Jesus' claims about himself. They were not his sheep, 
His sheep only understand more about Jesus as they follow him as their Lord and Savior. Since Jesus was and is the divine Son of God, shown by his good works and words, Jesus was not guilty of blasphemy. Jesus was a human being, but more than a human being. Christian scholars acknowledge that Jesus is fully God and fully man. That's, that's our Jesus, that's our God, hallelujah. Jesus referred these leaders to what the Bible teaches, to the word of God written as their absolute objective authority. In Psalms 82 verse 6 we read, I say, you are God's children of the Most High, all of you. Now Jesus wanted everyone to understand that everything he said and did was consistent with the scriptures as the objective truth and the infallible standard for right belief and action. And when Jesus quoted Psalm 82, verse 6, he also applied the meaning to the leaders of the Jewish people and to the leaders who rejected him. In Exodus, the fourth chapter and the 16th verse, when God spoke to Moses, to whom the word of God came, about Aaron, the Lord said, He indeed shall speak for you to the people, he shall serve as a mouth for you, and you shall serve as God for him. In Exodus 7, the first and second verses we read, the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of this land. In the Bible, this use of God quote, end quote, and God's, lowercase g-o-d-s, is rare. But Jesus could speak of himself as God, as a true Messiah, and the Son of God. By quoting Psalm 82, Jesus could also give the religious leaders the warning message that Psalm 82 gives to all leaders among all the nations of the earth. In Psalm 82, verse 2, God said, How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? And the psalm concludes, I say, you are God's, lowercase, children are the most high, all of you, nevertheless, you shall die like mortals and fall like any prince. Rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all the nations belong to you. That's Psalm 82, verses 6 through 8. The psalm can also be applied to the heavenly council, such as the one we read about in chapter 1 in the book of Job. It could be read or read, okay, depending. Psalm 82 probably refers to assemblies of leadership in heaven or on earth because the psalmist 
wants God to judge the earth and all the nations on earth. Here's another notice here. In Psalm 82, verse 6, lowercase gods, G-O-D-S, which ultimately excludes the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the only three persons who are the one true God. All right. When it's lowercase, it's not talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's why it gets me when I see people do uh, write something and they're supposed to be talking about the true and living God, but it's lowercase. And so that just, that distracts me. Okay, it, it doesn't even have that. I don't even be interested in what they're writing anymore. And it's just, just the way it is. We spell God with the capital G-O-D, the true and the living God. All right. Now, here Jesus made clear that the God's, lowercase he referred to were those to whom the word of God came the word of God came to Abraham Moses the prophets and other leaders of Israel Jesus is showing the religious leaders and us that many truths in the Bible and the truths he came to share are and were beyond their and our immediate understanding. Jesus did something similar when he quoted Psalm 110 verse 1 in Matthew 22 verses 43 through 45 referring to himself. He said to them, How is it then that David by the Spirit calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? The religious leaders could not answer this question, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Peter understood and explained it in Acts, the second chapter, the 32nd through the 35th verses. In considering what Jesus taught about Psalm 82, verse 6, and what the Bible teaches about gods, it is important for us to remember what the Bible says about us as human beings and who we are. In Genesis, the first chapter in the 27th verse, we read, So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, Jesus always emphasized that the scriptures could not be annulled or invalidated. The word of God, the Bible, is true, absolute objective truth that is given to us by God and not a compilation of human opinions. Now, Jesus referred these religious leaders and us back to the Bible as the, capital T-H-E, standard for truth, for our understanding of ultimate reality, for receiving God's revelation, and for learning about the true nature and character of the true God and God's love for us. This is all right. Now, Jesus was, the, was one of those to whom the word of God came. 
Now, in John, the first chapter, the first or the second verses, and then the 14th verse, we read of, of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. He was in the beginning with God, and the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. Jesus told them that they could not justly accuse Him of blasphemy because of what the Bible taught and because the Father had sanctified, that means set apart, set Him apart for, the holy, for holy use and sent Him into the world. Now Jesus is the Son of God in a way consistent with but very distinct from the gods, G-O-D-S, lowercase, that Jesus referred to in Psalm 82. And I want to go back to that sanctified. And when we say we're sanctified, when we call someone sanctified, that means we've been set apart for holy use. Set apart for holy use. All right? Now, I'm going back to Jesus used the verse in a way, we're talking about Psalm 82, that showed leaders from God could be referred to in the Bible as God's lowercase if the word of God had come to them to be shared with others, but not as God's lowercase to be worshipped as the first of the Ten Commandments teaches and forbids in Exodus 20 verse 3 you shall have no other gods before me. Alright and that's the lowercase gods. Now at the same time religious and non-religious leaders who were considered gods lowercase okay but who were unfaithful leaders as the leaders in Psalm 82 and the leaders who wanted to stone Jesus were, would come under the just judgment of God as the true and only Son of God, Jesus rightly accepted and received the worship of those who believed Him. So having quoted the scriptures and probably leaving these leaders puzzled, Jesus returned to speaking about the works that he was doing. All Jesus' works were great works to those who experienced and saw them, but Jesus' greatest work on earth was his creation of all that exists. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. John, the first chapter, the third through the fourth verses. Now, Jesus put the emphasis on his good works. Jesus' good works were life and light for all people. The works of God the Father and the Son of God are always good works. Jesus challenged his listeners and us 
to evaluate the works he was doing. Did Jesus do any works that were not good works? The answer is no. Jesus obviously did the great and good works of God. Therefore, we have good and sufficient reasons to believe him and all he taught about God and himself. Oh, yes. Jesus turned their attention to their refusal to believe him. Then he challenged them to believe the works he was doing. They had to conclude based on all the evidence they had before them, including the people Jesus had healed and fed, that Jesus was doing the works of God. Jesus never did anything inconsistent with the true work of God. As the beginning of true belief in him, Jesus challenged them to believe the works so that they might know and understand that the Father and he worked together in perfect unity. The beginning of their believing him might be the result of their first believing his works. Jesus challenged them to begin to understand what it meant for him to say that he is God's son. Truly, in a way beyond our complete understanding, for it is even difficult to completely understand ourselves, Jesus said that the Father is in him and he is in the Father. We try to understand this by saying that the Father and Jesus Christ are two persons and the one true God. Though no one except God completely understands what Jesus meant, Jesus' sheep increasingly came, or excuse me, come to know the Father and the Son more fully as they pray to God, study the scriptures, obey Jesus' teachings, serve God, and worship. I will repeat that. Though no one except God completely understands what Jesus meant, Jesus' sheep increasingly come to know the Father and the Son more fully as they pray to God, study the scriptures, obey Jesus' teachings, serve God, and worship God. Now, at Jesus' reply to them, the religious leaders tried to arrest Jesus again, but without going into details, John simply says that Jesus, Jesus escaped from their hands. Now, in this way, Jesus proved to them what he told them in John the 10th chapter and 18th verse. No one takes it, the meaning his life, from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. Talking about his life. I have received this command from my Father. So it was not Jesus' time or way to die, but Jesus did come to die in God's way according to the scriptures for the sins of the world. Jesus did not try to escape death. My God, thank you, God, hallelujah. That's why I'm here today. And so are you. All right, that's why.
having completed his work in Jerusalem, Jesus returned to where John the Baptist had preached and baptized and where Jesus himself had been baptized by John. Jesus remained there and preached until he was called back to Jerusalem on a mission of mercy that we read of in John chapter 11. Beginning with John chapter 11, Jesus begins to teach his sheep more directly and the crowds and religious leaders only indirectly. John the Baptist did no miracles, but he spoke the truth about the coming of the Messiah, the Lamb of God. Everything Jesus did fulfilled what John the Baptist had said that the Messiah would do. Jesus was the miracle that confirmed the truth of what John taught as he prepared the people to receive Jesus as Messiah. Therefore, the people had the truth in the Old Testament, especially the preaching of the prophets, the truth of John the Baptist's message, and the truth of Jesus' works and words as good and sufficient reasons to believe in Jesus and believe what he taught. John concluded this section of his gospel before Jesus returned to Jerusalem where he would be crucified and rise from the dead with the words that many believed in him. They believed he was the Messiah, the Son of God, Lamb of God, and the Savior of the world as John's Gospel taught. These believers stand in sharp contrast to the religious leaders. And that's the 42nd verse of the commentary. It is such a privilege and a blessing to be able to bring this message to you. The signs, the word, and the spirit. And this is John, the 10th chapter, the 32nd through the 42nd verses. And here are questions to think about for thinking further, okay? Number one, why do you think Jesus spoke of doing good works instead of great works? Number two, what accusation did the religious leaders make against Jesus? Number three, In John 10, verse 35, who did Jesus say were called gods? That's lowercase, okay? In your opinion, who were some of these people? Four, what did Jesus say about the Bible, meaning the scripture? What does that mean today? Number five, why did Jesus tell people to believe the works he did? This is Greater Gospel Temple, the Church of Praise and Worship. Our telephone number is 469-629-9543. The email address is ggtchurch66 at yahoo.com. It's a blessing. And now, if you have not repented of your sins and accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you can do it right now. It'll only take a few seconds. And if you're a backslider, 
meaning that you did repent of your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and then you went back to sinning again, this is for you too. So just repeat after me. Dear God, I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, and I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Amen. It's a done deal. Now, if you're not affiliated with a sanctified leader and a congregation, then God ask God to lead you to one or lead someone to you. And then there, here we are, Greater Gospel Temple, the Church of Praise and Worship. You have repented. You have been forgiven. You have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You're saved now. So if you need any help, 469-629-9543, ggtchurch66 at yahoo.com. And there are hundreds of sanctified pastors here in the city of Dallas. There are billions all over the world. God will lead you to the one that you need to be led to. I love you. Enjoy. Your day, evening, night, afternoon, morning, whichever it is, be thankful for what you've got. God is so good. God is so good. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Hello, it's Greater Gospel Temple, the Church of Praise and Worship. It's Sunday school time by the grace of God. This is Saturday. It is the 12th of September in the year 2020, and I am pre-recording this lesson for Sunday, September 13th, 2020. The Sunday school lesson is entitled and it's uh, based on the International Sunday School International Bible Study Commentary and International Bible Lesson and this is the L.G. Parkhurst Jr. Commentary and our subject for this Sunday is there are two facts about living forever and how believers in Jesus never die. And we're in John the 11th chapter, the 11th through the 27th verses. The 17th, excuse me, through the 27th verses. And we will go right into our scripture, the 17th through the 27th verses. Then when Jesus came, you know, we've been talking about Lazarus, Mary, Martha. We've been talking about Lazarus. And remember on last week's Sunday school lesson, Jesus was on his way. He told his disciples that they're going back to Bethany because Lazarus was asleep. And so, of course, Thomas said, oh, well, we'll just go back and die with him because they knew it was a dangerous situation. But Jesus said, come on. He told me, he said, he's sleeping. They said, well, if he's asleep, then that means he must be getting better. And Jesus said, had to just break it down to them and tell them he's dead. 
Okay, so now we'll get into our, our scripture. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall arise again. Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. That's the King James Version. Our focal scriptures are the uh, 24th verse and the 25th and 26th. 24th verse, Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And that has to do with the facts about living forever. Then Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And that has to do with how believers in Jesus never die. So let's get into our commentary. Let's get into our commentary. Because Lazarus was sick, without asking Jesus directly to come heal him, his family sent messengers to tell Jesus that the one he loved was ill. He could have healed Lazarus from a distance as he had healed others instead. Jesus awaited until Lazarus had died before returning to Bethany. Now to teach his disciples and others that he was the resurrection and the life, Jesus wanted to raise Lazarus from the dead in their presence. Now Jesus planned his arrival time and Lazarus had died four days earlier when Jesus arrived outside of Bethany. Some Jews believed that the departed soul would linger near their dead body for three days before departing for the place of the dead, and they called it Sheol in the Old Testament, which is S-H-E-O-L. Now, because Lazarus had been in the tomb four days, those who believed the soul remained near their dead body for three days would have also believed that the soul of Lazarus had definitely departed from the tomb and his situation was indeed hopeless in Sheol. In their minds, hopeless even for Jesus, who, many believed, could have healed him if he had only arrived sooner. So Jesus had it all covered 
because he is God. He knows all from the beginning, from everlasting to everlasting. He knows it all, okay? So to distinguish this Bethany from Bethany, where John the Baptist had preached and baptized Jesus and the others, John identified this Bethany as being about two miles from Jerusalem. A Sabbath day's journey was about one mile. Therefore, according to Jewish law, someone could not travel to and from Bethany and Jerusalem on the Sabbath. Jesus ascended into heaven from Bethany. So that's something that they added in there. So Jesus was a dear friend of Lazarus and his family. Jesus sometimes taught and dined in the home of Mary and Martha. Their home was large enough for many to gather to hear Jesus teach. Their family was influential and many Jews came to console Lazarus' sisters, some coming even from Jerusalem, and some of them returned to report Jesus' good deed and Lazarus' resuscitation to the Pharisees and chief priests. So remember how close Bethany was to Jerusalem. Remember that, okay? Now the Jews considered it a good work to console the family members of one who died, one who had died, in some cases, staying with them as long as seven days. Therefore, most of those who had been consoling Martha and Mary from the beginning would have still been there offering consolation when Jesus arrived. No one would have been able to doubt that Lazarus was dead and had been in the tomb four days and his situation was hopeless unless Jesus performed a miracle. So when Mary and Martha learned that Jesus was just outside the town, Martha left their guests and went to see Jesus. Martha was a sister who provided food and hospitality when Jesus taught in her home. Martha was the one who asked Jesus to tell her sister, Mary, to help her serve their guests. So Martha went to see Jesus first because she was a constantly active person who learned after Jesus spoke to her in Luke the 10th chapter the 38th through the 42nd verses to put Jesus first above everything else. So after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and before Jesus' last Passover celebration, Jesus may have stayed in Lazarus's home where Martha expressed her devotion to Jesus by serving him and his followers, including Lazarus, dinner, and where Mary expressed her devotion to Jesus by washing his feet. Now, this is a speculation, okay? This is a commentary, okay? And the commentary is to get us to thinking, all right? And to help us to have something to discuss. So until he entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, it seems likely that Jesus stayed for a short time in the home of Lazarus. So many people in Jerusalem would have heard that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, and many would have come to see both Lazarus and Jesus at Lazarus' home in nearby Bethany. In the few daylight hours Jesus had left before he was glorified by dying on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins, Jesus probably stayed where he could easily be found to heal, help, 
and teach people. We can imagine Martha and Mary and their family and friends saying, if only Jesus had been here over and over again to each other as they mourned Lazarus' death for days because Mary used the same words when she met Jesus. Perhaps they had also encouraged Lazarus and one and one another that Jesus would come and heal him before Lazarus died. No one doubted Jesus' ability to heal the sick, and many also knew that Jesus had raised from the dead those who had not yet been buried. Okay, now so this was saying they're saying this is fact the first that he brought back from the grave, the tomb. Okay, so Martha went directly to see Jesus before he arrived at her home, probably because she knew that even though Jesus had come after Lazarus had died, that he could still do something, though she knew not what. She may have had enough faith in Jesus to hope that even now Jesus could bring her brother back to life. She knew that Jesus was a man of prayer and he could ask his father for anything and God always answered the prayers of his son. She expressed her complete trust in Jesus with her few words. Once again, Martha did not tell Jesus what to do. Earlier, when they sent messengers to Jesus, she only told Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And you can find that in John 11 chapter, the third verse. So she did not tell Jesus what she wanted him to do, but of course she strongly implied that she wanted Jesus to heal her brother. In speaking to Jesus, Martha only told Jesus the situation and spoke of the love he had for Lazarus. After Lazarus' death, she really did not know what Jesus could do or what she should ask him to do, but she trusted Jesus to do the loving, right, and wise thing, and she knew God heard his prayers. So I want to interject here. That's why we are supposed to say in the name of Jesus when we pray to God because the only way that God is going to hear our prayer is that we say in the name of Jesus. Jesus is our mediator and we have to go through Jesus to get to God. Okay, so Martha knew that Jesus would pray to his father and his father would give him what he asks for. All right, so we can pray to Jesus, trusting that his father will give him whatever he asks him, and Jesus will always pray and do what is best for us and all concerned. It is always best for us to pray to God as Jesus prayed to his father, not as I will, but as you will. And you can find that in Matthew 26, chapter 39, verse. And we know when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was praying, and he said, Father, if you will, let this cup pass, but not my will, but thy will be done. So Jesus prays, and he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. All right? So that's how I pray. 
when I pray to God in the name of Jesus, I also realize that God's will is the best thing for me. So it matters not in the outcome what I pray for because I leave it in God's hands in his will to do what is best for me. So in the way that I am praying, asking him for something, and then I tell him and let him know that God, even though this is what I'm asking you for, nevertheless, not just because I want it, I want you to let me have it. I want you to let me have what is good for me. And whatever you think, if this is good or not, whatever you think, let your will be done in my life. And that's how I pray. In the name of Jesus. So because I want his will to be done in my life. And many times, many of us have asked him for something. And he did not let us have that particular thing because evidently it wasn't his will for us to have it and even might not be the time for us to have it even though he might give it to us later on see God works they said he works in mysterious ways his wonders to perform so his timing is not our timing his ways are not our ways but we will understand it better by and by oh yes just pray god that not my will but your will be done this is what i'm asking you for god but nevertheless not my will but thy will be done and then we know that all things work together for good to them that love god and they're called according to purpose if our ways please the lord he will give us the desires of our hearts i know that for a fact so pray on in the name of Jesus and say, God, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus' words have at least two meanings. When Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Okay. Jesus knew that Lazarus would rise again within the very hour. He knew he would bring life to Lazarus' dead body and return Lazarus' soul to his renewed human body that very day. But Jesus also wanted to raise Lazarus from the dead and make Lazarus' resuscitation a teaching moment for his disciples and for Lazarus, Martha, Mary, their family friends, and all who would believe in him. Jesus knew that Lazarus would eventually die again. That is why we call Lazarus' rising from the dead a resuscitation. But the Bible tells us that he rose. Jesus brought him back from the dead. So you can call it resuscitation. You can call it whatever you want to call it. He was dead and God raised him up again. And they give the explanation of why in here they call it a resuscitation. Raising Lazarus from the dead was a resuscitation or physical restoration, not as a resurrection from the dead of his body never to die again. Jesus is the first person who raised from the dead. He's the first person raised from the dead as a person resurrected from the dead to never die again. So 
after Lazarus eventually died again, his risen Lord and Savior would raise him again on the future day of resurrection and Lazarus would never die again. So by raising Lazarus from the dead after four days in the tomb and after his own resurrection from the dead, the followers of Jesus knew that by believing in him, they too would live after they died. They knew that Jesus had the power to raise them from the dead whenever he chose. He has that power. Oh, yes, he does. Jesus led Martha to express her faith in the resurrection of the dead as revealed in the Bible up to the point and time. To that point in time, okay? Now, on the last day, on the last typical day on earth, the dead will rise again. The truth of the resurrection is as essential teaching. It's an essential teaching in the Bible. However, Martha wanted more than the assurance of this truth from Jesus. She most probably wanted Jesus to ask God to raise Lazarus now. This is an assumption, okay? But she did not say that directly. Perhaps her faith in Jesus had not yet grown to the point where she could ask Jesus to do that specifically. But Jesus would do that without being asked. She did not yet know all Jesus could or would do. Jesus told Martha that he did not need to pray because she said, Jesus told us that I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So he didn't need to pray to have the power to raise Lazarus from the dead because he himself was and is the resurrection and the life. He could do what he wanted in the situation. Quote, I am, end quote is the divine name or title for God, the name God gave Moses, and the name Jesus used of himself, especially in the Gospel of John. So in this I am saying of Jesus, he used the title for God and will soon reveal his power as God the Son to create life, sustain life, and raise people from the dead. Jesus did not need to pray at the tomb, but we will soon discover that he did pray publicly for a reason. Because Jesus is the resurrection, he could and did raise himself from the dead after three days in the tomb. After his resurrection, Jesus showed his disciples that he had the divine power of an unending life. Hallelujah. Jesus told Martha and all who learned the truth about him that he is the person to believe in for salvation because he is God, the Word made flesh, the Son of God with resurrection power, and the giver of life. Yes, he's all of that and then some. Before Jesus Christ comes again, Everyone will die physically and their souls will go to one of two places, either to Sheol or to paradise. And that 
is where I have to come in with some scriptures because people say we've all got to go this way we'll go to funerals they say we've all got to go this way we've all got to die but there's a scripture that tells us that we shall not all sleep but we shall be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye the dead in Christ shall rise first that means those who died before he came back they will rise first and those of us if I'm one of them if you're one of them who remain here alive when he comes and shows himself in the sky for the great resurrection then after the dead the people that are already dead who are saved they after they rise up to meet Jesus then those of us who are alive will be changed from mortality from this mortal body to an immortal body and we will then be caught up to meet him because this flesh and blood body is not worthy cannot go into the kingdom cannot make it up there so we will be changed but the scripture tells us we shall not all sleep and I have to find that scripture because I have to prove it to you the scripture and you will hear we shall not all sleep that is 1st Corinthians the 15th chapter and the 51st verse and I will read it it's also 51 through 52 behold I show you a mystery we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. So that contradicts that, okay? Then First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, 13th through the 18th verses, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning Brethren, concerning which them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Bye, 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 and bye. Hallelujah. That's First Thessalonians 4, chapter 13 through the 18 verses. And then that is First Corinthians, the 15 chapter, the 51st through the 52nd verses. So when they tell you that everybody's going to die before Jesus, when they say, we all got to come this way, that is not true according to the Bible. And if they're reading the Bible and preaching from the Bible teaching from the Bible and believing then they have to believe this we shall not all sleep 
but we will be changed. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So I had to put that in there, okay? Because the Bible does not say if the believer uh, say that everybody is going to die, okay? Before Jesus comes back. So if the believer dies before Jesus returns, those who believe in Jesus will live in heaven or paradise with Jesus, the holy angels, and all who love God. Therefore, the believer will never die, meaning eternally, okay? So when Jesus returns, as he promised, all believers in him who have died physically will rise again with resurrected, glorified human bodies, and they will live on the new earth never to die again. If we live in Jesus and if we believe in Jesus, then we will never die spiritually but have eternal life. Believers in Jesus will leave their body behind when they die, but they will go to heaven from where they will await the last days. When we get to heaven, that's it. Now, I told you, I will, when I was recording earlier today in the recording intake, I was talking about the souls under the altar that are waiting. There's some souls under the altar that are waiting, but there are going to still be the graves down here with the dead saints in them. Then there are going to be some, us saints, some, some of us will be left alive. Okay? So I want to read this about the souls under the altar. The souls under the altar. The souls under the altar. Okay, Revelation 6. The souls and the altar. Let me see. Hopefully they'll put the scriptures as a commentary on that. So I need to go back and find the scripture. So I can read the scripture to you. Okay. And when he had opened to the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. For the testimony which they held. And then there's a little bit more I want to read here. And they cried with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. So, there are souls waiting under the altar for the last day. Okay, Martha affirmed her faith in Jesus. She believed everything Jesus said about himself. She believed in and completely trusted Jesus. She called Jesus Lord in the divine and kingly meaning of the title Lord. She declared that Jesus was the Messiah the Jews expected to come someday. She declared that Jesus was the Messiah the Jews expected to come someday. She declared him to be the Son of God as Jesus had told Nicodemus in John the third chapter in the 16th through the 18th verse. She believed that Jesus had come from his kingdom in heaven into the world that he created. 
Soon she would see Jesus visibly demonstrate that he is the resurrection and the life when he raised her brother from the dead and gave him life. Then, after his resurrection, she would see Jesus again and grow even more in her understanding of him. Our God is awesome. He is awesome. And I want to remind you of my song, Shine. I am going to release a video. I haven't started on the video yet, but I'm going to release the video of my song, Shine. I am going to release that video. So I want you to treat yourself. Just go to any of the online, the digital stores online. There's Apple, there's uh, Google, all of those, any one of those, you can get that song. You can get that song for yourself. Okay? And one thing I, I want to hear from you, let me hear from you. This is Greater Gospel Temple, the Church of Praise and Worship. Our number is 469 629 uh, 9543-469-629-9543. The email address is ggtchurch66 at yahoo.com. And you can reach me through here, through the podcast. You can reach me through any of my online uh, sources, which is YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Okay? So you have plenty of ways to reach me. Okay. Now, here are some facts. Let me make sure that I'm still recording because this morning it it shut off all me and it never did. Never did. uh, Process right. Okay, so I'm, I'm just at 30 minutes, 31 minutes, so let me get this done. So, thank you for your attention. Thank you, thank you. This is very important. This is why we have Sunday School to learn. This, I'm seeing, Brother Deacon Magnite would uh, have us repeat. This Sunday School must grow and glow, and I must help to make it so. And how do we grow and glow? By learning the Word of God, listening, being taught, and then teaching other people the truth the unadulterated truth, the truth. How do believers in Jesus never die? The Old Testament taught the Jews that when they died, they went to Sheol, S-H-E-O-L, to a shadowy existence in the place for the dead. The New Testament translates the Hebrew word Sheol into the Greek word Hades, H-A-D-E-S. Many Jews, including Pharisees, believed in the resurrection of the dead from Sheol on the last day of human history as we know it. After Lazarus died, Lazarus died, excuse me, in John 11, chapter 24th verse, Martha expressed this belief to Jesus, saying, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Martha had a firm belief in Jesus as her Lord, the Messiah, and the Son of God. Okay? Martha, Mary, and Lazarus believed in Jesus and had received 
the gift of eternal life for Jesus' promise to all in John 3.16 applied to them. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, and that should be should not perish, okay? But have eternal life. Now I have to go to this. If those of you who listen to me, who watch my webcast and listen to my podcast, know that if something comes up that is contrary to what the truth is, I have to. If God brings it to my mind at that instant, I have to talk about it and straighten it out. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should, S-H-O-U-L-D, not perish. That's in the King James Version, but have everlasting life. Now, many people in many versions say him shall not perish, but that is not true. Shall is like a surety, an assurance shall not but it does not say that it says should not so if you believe in jesus i believe in jesus i should not perish but if something comes along and takes me aside from that i'm going to perish so it's telling us if we believe in him we should not perish because we should be doing what he's telling us to do and living a life he's telling us to live so if we're doing that then we should not perish but if something is in there that's a hindrance to us hey okay all right so it should not s-h-o-u-l-d Make sure you note that in your mind, okay? Now, Jesus teaches more about himself to those who have received the gift of eternal life as they trust, obey, and follow him daily. Applying the divine title or name, I am, to himself, Jesus told Martha that he was also the resurrection and the life, therefore, Resurrection was not just a future event. When a believer's body dies, Jesus' divine power keeps them alive. Before the last day, a believer's body may die, but their spirit united with the Holy Spirit will go to be with Jesus in paradise, where they will look forward to receiving resurrected, glorified human bodies at the return of Jesus on the last day. Okay, and I think I said before, I'll have to deal with that later, okay? Have to deal with that later. How later, how believers never die. Okay, and facts about living forever. This is Greater Gospel Temple, the Church of Praise and Worship. I love you so much. I love you so much. And because I love you so much, I love God so much with my whole heart, mind, body, spirit, soul, everything that's within me. I want you to experience, if you're not experiencing my life like I live, the joy and the peace that I have, I want you to have that too. And it takes only a few seconds if you repeat after me with sincerity in your heart, and if you're not sincere, repeat it anyway, please, okay? Because we never know what will happen between one second and the other, all right? So here we go. 
Dear God, I repent of my sins. I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive me of my sins and I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Amen. Hey, it's a done deal. Now, what you should do is ask God to lead you to a congregation that has a sanctified leader if you're not already in one or leave someone to you to lead you to that place. If I'm not the person that you want to be uh, affiliated with in worshiping God, that's fine and dandy just so you go somewhere, okay, where you can glow and grow in the Lord and you will gain eternal life because you have asked for forgiveness, you have accepted Jesus Christ, so you're ready, ready for heaven now. But there's a process. As long as you live here on this earth, in this body, you've got to live a saved life. So that's why you don't forsake the assembling of yourself with the other saints of God, which is the manner of us here in the United States of America, okay? So we assemble so we can grow and glow and encourage each other. Learn about living a sanctified life. So don't forsake that. That's a qualification, okay? So that you will be stronger and stronger and learn to live this life like I'm learning to live this life. Even though I've been in here decades and decades, I'm yet learning, okay? So now you're saved by the grace of God. Now you're reclaimed by the grace of God. If you were in and then you were out, now you're back in if you prayed the prayer, all right? If you repented and accepted Jesus Christ again. You're here, you're in, okay? Uh, 469-629-9543, at yahoo.com. Enjoy, enjoy the remainder of your day, night, evening, morning, whichever it is. But just remember this, I'm available to you because God has made me available. Hello, good evening. This is Saturday. It is the 12th of September in the year 2020. And I want to share a few encouraging words with you. I'm sitting here and then the Spirit started speaking to me and talking about the tactics of the devil. So it's just going to be just a few minutes that I am going to talk to you about Satan and his devices. He wants to stir up trouble for us. So when you're finally at a place where you feel the breeze of happiness, Satan stirs up a whirlwind of doubt and insecurity. So I know that he is doing what he does best and he will not stop. If he can't get us on the way to, he'll try to get us on the way from. So he's dedicated to the cause of destroying our spiritual and natural being. He also knows that we have the power 
of the Holy Ghost that gives us charge over him with the power to resist him and make him run in another direction. So that's why he swiftly swoops in and hits hard. He tries to keep us from thinking fast and blocking his attacks. But remember this. Remember this. And I'm going to that scripture. I'm going to that scripture. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, and I have that in here. I've already gone and done that and I've been having some problems. I, I tried to do it one way and I didn't get it that way so I came another way and I'm going to get it done, get it said because I know that God wants me to relay this message. Somebody needs to hear this. I myself, I myself need to hear this. So I am going to get it right now when the enemy comes in like a flood. And I had that scripture. I had it having problems finding it because I want to read it to you. I want to read it to you. Like a flood. He hits hard and heavy because he doesn't want you to think fast. And when he hits swiftly and swoops in and hits you quick, he doesn't want to give you a chance to think and realize that you have the power to stop him before he gets to you. And so that is one of his, his tricks. He wants to catch you unaware. But then we know that there are scriptures that tell us that we won't be caught unaware if we're in the Lord. We won't be caught unaware because God does not let anything catch us by surprise if we're in him. In Isaiah, the 59th chapter and the 19th verse, and we know it's talking about people that have sinned against God. And then, but he comes in and he tells us, he said, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a, a standard against him. And that's the B part of the scripture. Isaiah 59, 19b. And then the A part says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. From the rising of the sun. See, we have, those of us who are saved, we have the Spirit of God in us. And he said that we can resist the devil and he will flee from us. We have that power. So use that power. Take your happiness back from him. When you just 
think when you get there and things are going so well for you, then he wants to stick himself right in the midst of it and just mess everything up. But we have the power. We have the power to rebuke him in the name of Jesus. And he has to adhere to that rebuke. I love you. Enjoy, enjoy your life each and every moment of it because God loves you. He loves you so much. And I do too.